Hey guys, welcome back to The Viewer. It's Dr. Jen. And today I have with me our amazing executive producer, Beth Bonilla, who did a fantastic interview with the CEO of Seek, which is a company that is remaking and revitalizing the speculum. And essentially the way that we think about medical tools that we use to basically do everything in women's health. Thanks, Jen. And I feel like I need to throw out a vagina, vagina, vagina. <laughs> so I did an interview last week with Saki Kasashaki from Seek, and we were talking about all the ways they're trying to improve the speculum. And what we touched on in our interview, which we did, I don't feel like we got to really dig deep enough into, was the idea that Dr. Marion Sims would, uh, invented the speculum years ago. So it was invented by a man. And what we get into is the fact that he experimented on the bodies of slaves with what's considered, you know, the modern day speculum. So he was experimenting on the bodies of black women. And I think that is so important to acknowledge this, you know, truly problematic history of what he did, which is so terrible. But what came to mind is the fact that there's this theme that comes up and I've seen it time and time again. And, you know, all the chats and all the storytelling uh, you and Erica have done is this idea that women's voices have been absent um, in what's happening in their bodies. So I just wanted to bring it up and chat with you about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that we often forget that a large part of women's health is based on methodology like that. And I think we often take for granted that the way that we care for people, the instruments we use, um, often has this kind of troubled past. Um for, for women and especially for women of color. And, you know, you asked me earlier, is this something that you were aware of going through medical school? And I would say if you asked most people that, you know, most providers, they probably wouldn't be aware of this just because in your training years, especially you are just so swamped with learning everything there is to know about women's health and soaking up all the knowledge and the facts and the, you know, how to operate that we don't pay enough attention to um, the history of medicine and the history of women's health in particular, which is, you know, as we're going to point out, like with the speculum, pretty troubling sometimes. I completely agree. I'm so glad. I just wanted to dive into that with you. And I'm sure, you know, your experience as a physician realizing that, you know, some of the methods you use, the tools you use are names of men. And it's, you know, it really speaks to what we're trying to do, I think, with a V word, which is bring light and shine light on some of the problematic history and then what people are doing to, to move forward. I would say to anyone listening, if you think there's a story we should cover or a topic we should be discussing, please reach out over social media. Absolutely. All right. So with that, I think let's get into this interview. I cannot wait to hear what you guys talked about. Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we the time to chat. I want to talk to you about something that anyone that's had a vaginal exam is familiar with, and that's the speculum. So I'm curious, for anyone that might not know, do you mind explaining what a speculum is, what it's used for? Sure. So the speculum is the device used to open the vagina, and providing access to the cervix, so that providers, and uh, that's OBGYNs, um, nurse midwives, uh, can do uh, what they need to do. And pretty much for nearly every procedure, you need a speculum. 
Um, and that is to do an IUD insertion or removal, to do a pap smear, which a lot of us are familiar with, um, to do a biopsy, polyp removal. I would say any, I mean, the field of gynecology is based on using a speculum. And I realized that was probably such a funny transition, but so normal for us with this show is that we, you know, get to meet each other and then we jump into a topic like talking about speculum. Exactly, right? (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for hanging in there. But I'm curious if you agree with this. It's when I think of the speculum, it's almost like for so long, it sort of served as this like symbol of the clinical experience and that what people could expect of their gynecological visits was, you know, this clunky, uncomfortable experience that was, I believe, invented many years ago. Um, It sort of symbolized that in many ways, which I think is what so many, you know, companies now are on a mission to change, which is what Keek is trying to do. Is that the, the right understanding? Right. Um, it's Seek, Seek Women's Health. Seek. So actually, so, we, so the name of the company, my partner and I, business partner and I, um, he has two sons, Cyrus and Kai, and I have two daughters, Emma and Elsa. So that's how the name Seek came into play. Perfect. Um, Thank you for, for correcting Yeah, that. no worries. Um, you know, for me, actually, uh, I went through three years of infertility treatment and my husband and I traveled across the country. I was determined that I was going to have to uh, have kids. and We were fortunate enough um, to be able to do that. And I think we went to some of the best clinics, I think, in the world. Um, And one thing that really stood out for me was how backwards women's health was compared to the areas I was working in, which was really on the oncology side. And I thought the pace of innovation, if you take it from a technology perspective, a materials perspective, For me, it was really based on the innovation I was seeing on the oncology side. I just didn't see that reflected in women's health. And maybe for me, the symbol of that was the speculum. Um, I just, I mean, when you're going through infertility treatment, you get shots and there's so much that's happening in your world. The speculum is a small part of it, but I thought it was so insulting. I just found it to be so insulting that um, we have to put up with that. And so after I had my second daughter, um, I actually remember this. I'm like, there must be something better than a speculum, this metal spec. Like, why are doctors using this thing? What else is out there? And so I just Googled it and I was like, I literally researched for two days and I was shocked um, that nothing else existed. And um, there is a plastic speculum, but there are shortcomings with that too. Um, and so that really started our mission to kind of transform the design of the speculum. And I do feel it's a small part, but I feel for women, you know, it's a going for a GYN exam. It's an extremely personal, intimate um, experience that women really, you know, on average, we never look forward to going for our exams. And then on top of that, to have a speculum be used, just why? I mean, there's so much I mean, innovation happening in the world. Why do we have to put up with that? And by no means does the speculum take away from the fantastic work that nurse midwives do and physicians do, I think it's an extremely small part of it, uh, of the whole experience, but it's, it's a part that really has an impact um, on the care women receive. And so that's how we started Seek, and we're launching actually our speculum in two weeks' time. Congrats. So I'm curious, uh, what was sort of the timeline that you went from, you know, your personal experience, which thank you for sharing that, to 
you know, doing your own research and now getting to this place where you're able to launch a prod, uh, a, a product. Um, I, I'm assuming a lot of even research from uh, what patients' experiences were, physicians' experience. Can you share some of that? Yeah, absolutely. So it really started by when my second daughter was born, uh, January of 2014. Okay. After I had her, um, I was on maternity leave. And I think when you actually are on leave and you're not thinking about work, your brain can kind of open up. And um, so that's, I remember like sitting on my bed and thinking, hmm, let me research the specula. And then um, after my maternity leave ended, I didn't want to go back to the work I was doing. So I resigned and I started Seek. And um, I actually interviewed quite a few uh, firms, uh, specifically design and engineering firms that specialized in medical devices. And I just didn't like, um, I didn't like their approach. Everything was very functional and I wanted the patient to be a focal point of the design effort. And so I partnered with a consumer product design, and design firm that had done a lot of work with plastics. They've won a lot of awards. And then I hired their head of design, Maria Lolly, actually, who is our head of design and development. And um, that really started the process. And I think one thing that's different about a speculum is, you know, as women, we've all been on the other side of it. So we all have experienced it. And so we all, we had a lot of opinions ourselves and, um, but we had some providers who worked with us, both nurse midwives and uh, GYNs. And I would put them in two categories, actually, the traditionalist who didn't like change versus the more uh, exploratory uh, providers who were really looking for change. And we had to balance what we were doing between the two. Um, and so, but they were really passionate. I mean, we had people who would try our prototypes and give us feedback. And so we went through a thousand round of prototyping. I've learned a lot about <laughs> 3D printed stuff and CNC machining and injection molding and everything is very expensive, but we did a lot of trials and errors in order to uh, design the speculum. Um, and we thought through every detail. I mean, just to give you an idea, the grip of a woman is very different than the grip of a man. And so, how wide do we make the speculum so that it's comfortable for a woman to hold in their hand and also a man to hold in their hand? Um, the length of the speculum, because women have different vaginal lengths, how do we design one that is comfortable for most women? Um, and then in our research, we found out that, you know, women don't all fall under one category. There are women who have, who have a higher BMI. There are women who are uh, postmenopausal. They're cancer survivors, adolescents, um, women who have a history of rape or trauma, and it's really not a one size fits uh, fits everybody. So we uh, really took everything into consideration as we worked on redesigning the speculum. And I say our speculum is designed for most women, but it was really important to us see that we also address the needs of neglected segments, and um, that was really important to us. Mm -hmm. That seems like such a theme in, in seeing neglected spaces in the voices that weren't included, maybe, but also just in the lack of innovation in a whole industry right. for so long. I'm curious, um, you know, when I, in the tiny bit of research I did on the speculum, I saw that it was, I believe, Dr. Sims created it, at, you know, years right. ago. And what I started, the rabbit hole I sort of started falling down was this, um, you know, history of, of 
uh, the speculum, the early speculum being used on the bodies of black women. And, you know, I think acknowledging that history while also recognizing what the work you guys are doing and wanting to involve women's voices in the creation of tools that are used on their bodies. It, it's such a bigger conversation, I think, you know, than just talking about a, a tool, uh, which is pretty fascinating. I'm not sure if you realized the the path you were going down when you initially thought, man, that's just really uncomfortable. Someone's got to do something about it. I didn't, but you're, I actually study the history a lot too. And um, Marion Sims, he actually, his statue was in Central Park and they oh, okay. it last year. Um, and he tasted, tested the speculum in, ver in the early prototypes of it actually on uh, slaves. Um, so uh, I'm glad actually, um, they used to call him the father of gynecology. Um, so he's a pretty controversial figure. And personally, I feel it's a good thing they removed his statue from Central Park. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing um, that's happened. People ask me, actually, I get this question asked often. Why hasn't, why hasn't anybody else updated the speculum? Uh, why hasn't it happened? Mm -hmm. uh, so really, I've actually thought about that too, and I really don't have an answer uh, for that. I, I really don't know <laughs> why uh, it hasn't happened. And so what are, um, you mentioned some of the shortcomings that, you know, the products that you guys are creating hope to address. And what has been some of the feedback with the improvements you guys have made? Have, has there, have you done some of that testing and what has been the feedback? Yeah. So if you think of a metal, we have really, um, I mean, initially we focused on um, uh, designing a reusable speculum. Uh, that would be an alternative to the metal speculum that providers use. And I think the biggest difference uh, for ours is what is the choice of material? We went with a material that is as strong as metal, but it's not metal. So mm -hmm. it's warm to touch. The other thing, we, you know, as women, I, I'm sure this always bothered me was the clink, clink noise of metal as they screwed and unscrewed. So we made sure our speculum operated quietly so you wouldn't actually hear any sound. Um, the other attribute of ours is uh, that it's very narrow. It's actually smaller than a regular size tampon. So for women who actually in our study tested it, some of them didn't even feel the insertion of the speculum. It was that comfortable. Wow. Um, but then we have these lateral sidewall retractors that come out when the speculum is inserted inside the body that push the tissue back, the vaginal tissue back from the cervix. So the provider can have easy access and they can do the procedure. Um, it has, from a provider perspective, it has an angled handle. So if you think of a metal speculum, it has a 90 degree angle. So mm -hmm. you know, it touches the patient's bottom. So you always hear this from providers. Can you scooch down? Can you scooch down a little bit more? Um, ours takes that problem away. Uh, there's no need to screw open, screw and unscrew. So it's, it's an easy way. If a provider needs to open the speculum a little bit more in use, they can easily do it. They don't need to screw and unscrew. And they do it quietly. Um, there's a lot of providers actually use a heating pad right now to warm the speculum or they use lubricants to make it more comfortable, the insertion more comfortable. Ours, um, because it's neutral temperature, it doesn't need to be warmed up. It also doesn't require uh, the use of a lubricant because mm -hmm. it easily glides into the body. Um, so yeah, those are some of the attributes of the speculum um, that we I don't, I don't know if I've ever had an appointment where it seemed like it was warmed before. That's a <laughs> that's an extra step that seems very courteous, but I don't know if that's ever been my experience. Yeah, some providers do it, some don't. I mean, there is um, 
uh, Jaco has issued some guideline just um, that it sh uh, the speculum should not be warmed up. I mean, think of it, it's in a heating pad. Mm -hmm. There's a risk of bacterial infection, but you know, sure. uh, yeah, some do it still. So, so it's, it sounds like, you know, based on your own experience, and I'm sure now, you know, in the communities that you've been able to speak in, there's this shared dread really of, of appointments in, uh, for many cases, maybe the, the thought of the speculum or just the exam itself. Can you talk to maybe the greater impact of, of making testing more comfortable, possibly more efficient? Um, what sort of mission in that sense do you guys talk about at Zeke? Um, I mean, what I want to do, I mean, this was really, and when I started this, my goal was really simple. It was really to make the process easier and more comfortable for women so they don't dread it as much when they go to see, go to the exam. I especially have two daughters and I actually feel like um, when they go for their first exam, I want it to be a comfortable experience. I think for me, I've had two kids. I'm kind of over the thing for me. It doesn't matter. But I do think it's important. One is a matter of respect for women and two for the younger generation that's coming. Um, I, I think they need to deserve something better and there should be something better. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third part is, you know, it's not only healthy women who go get their pap exams. There are a lot of cancer survivors and they've gone through a lot of women who are going through infertility treatment. There's no need to exacerbate the problem with, you know, with antiquated devices that just make the whole experience just yuckier. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's, it's so much more in thinking about, I'm sure for your girls, they, hopefully they'll have an entirely different experience than your first experience it's so right uh, i'm curious you know as a can you speak a bit about what it was like as an entrepreneur and i'm not sure about your, the roles prior to seek but what has it been like stepping into this space um you know from look seeking investors to having conversations in boardrooms about in, in women's health what has that experience been like um i have to tell you i always think about this um I think right now, I mean, I'm, uh, I, when I started, before I started Seek, I did a lot of management consulting work and I had a very supportive team and I was happy in my previous job. But when I stepped into Seek and, you know, fortunately I've been able to partner with a group of very smart women, very passionate, ambitious women, but I really appreciate the collaboration we have together. There's no passive aggressiveness. And that's the one thing I realized when I was actually very early on, I'm like, wow, People actually speak their voices and there's no strange passive aggressiveness going on or hiding what you're thinking or I don't know, it was, I don't know if that was part of the corporate world I was in, but as a smaller company, you can't survive if you have a lot of bullshit going on. Just sorry for using that term. And you have to be collaborative and you have to have the bigger good in place. And I, I kind of felt we have a very a trusting team together that our goal is really to work together to make this product successful. Everybody can express their voices. Everybody's professional. So it was really a relief, I think, for me from the previous world that I was in. And um, a lot of that anxiety for me went away. Um, uh, just, um, yeah, so that part of it was actually very refreshing and I love it. I don't think I could ever go back to work in a corporate world at all. Um, but, um, the fundraising was challenging. I'm not going to, uh, argue with that. You have to get a group of people to put, spend their money into the company and it wasn't easy. Um, 
but we found a group of very passionate women investors. I mean, fantastic. And I do think your investors become your partners um, because not everything is going to be rosy all the time. So um, I think uh, we had a luxury of actually picking our investors. We had a choice. I think if we didn't have that choice, I probably would have gone with somebody else, but we did have that choice and that really helped. And I was willing to take less money, but take it from the right group of investors. And that made a big difference for us. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like having that internal support that you perhaps hadn't experienced, you know, before helps with the hurdles maybe that you faced outside, Um, which is, I'm curious, you know, in the, sounds like five, six years now that you've been doing this, have you seen a lot change? Is there a lot of more innovation now coming that you're excited about? Or is it still kind of crazy to be really at the forefront of wanting to shake things up in women's health? I think there's a lot more that can be done. Um, and I, I don't like, um, yeah, I do. Believe, I mean, in Portland, we have another company called Medora mm-hmm. that's developing a device for um, uh, for postmenopausal women. And I, I do hear about um, uh, other companies who are, who are doing uh, work in this space, but um, I wish there would be more done. And I think, you know, access to funds makes a big difference. Um, we, if, I think if women had easier access to funding, they probably would innovate more. And um, yeah, I just, I think there's a lot more that can be done, uh, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be interesting. I think you know, so much is changing in, in the economy, but um, I can certainly say, I'm sure you, you know, laying this pathway and, and being a mentor in many ways is such a great contribution. Well, thank you. <laughs> so it's, I, it's, it's exciting, but I know that to be um, at the forefront of it isn't always easy. <laughs> we don't think of it that way. We're so, yeah, it's not easy. And, you know, 99% of investors are men. And, you know, there are a lot of good, uh, forward-looking investors, and I don't have an issue with that. But when you're talking about a device that's so intimate to women, mm-hmm. it's really hard to stand in, a, in front of a group of uh, investors who are all men and talk about the product. Um, you try to make it personal, saying, "Well, think about your daughter, think about your mother, think about your wife," but it really is hard. I don't mm-hmm. think they really grasp what we were talking about um, early on. So. Um, that's kind of my uh, perspective uh, on it. It's harder uh, to innovate in women's health. Um, and, you know, if you look at other industries, typically it's the smaller companies that innovate and the larger companies buy the innovation. Mm-hmm. So I think the challenge for women's health is if that innovation is going to come from outside, then somebody has to continue to fund it. And, um, you know, I think you hear a lot about the Me Too movement and there's a lot of focus on women. I agree with that. I don't know what we would have done if that wasn't the focus, because even in that work in this world, we thought there was so little emphasis. I thought there was a lot of talk, but when it came to actually people uh, actually investing, um, that money was very little, uh, very little, unless you were willing to give away the whole company. And all mm, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's so one thing to step beyond the words and, and put things into action, which is right. so such a big part of it that we're hopefully right. seeing a lot of change. I'm curious, I don't know if it's too much inside baseball, but I, how, how does sort of the distribution work with a product like what you guys are innovating 
when can people maybe start to see it and how does it work in terms of where it gets placed and who has access? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we are, um, so we have our Salesforce. So the Salesforce would be selling directly to the OBGYN clinics and they will be using those products. Um, it's available on our website as well, or our speculum will be very soon. And then we have a distributor also that would be selling directly to hospitals. Got it. Okay. And then I know there's a couple, um, the light is, is available now, but the, the speculum itself is in the next couple months. Uh, weeks. Couple weeks. Oh, that's right. Exciting. Yes. Well, congratulations. Is there anything I didn't ask about that you want to be sure and touch on? I think you asked everything. Thank you so much for giving us this opportunity. We're a small company, so I really appreciate having a chance to get our word out. And, um, you know, hopefully women will experience our speculum and they'll like it. And I hope there will be many other innovators coming from women in this field and try doing better things and uh, more things than what we've just started the path on. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. You know, I think it's to, I'm such a fan of what you guys are doing. I haven't been able to experience it yet, but just to see that innovation and to see your story as an example of someone seeing an issue and something they, you know, that they could really change and wanting to be a part of the solution, that itself is empowering. Because, you know, as we touched on at the start, not wanting to really complain about the current situation, it's easy to see issues and not take that action. So if anything, I'm happy to put out your story just to hopefully, you know, spark future entrepreneurs into into that bug. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Bethany. I really appreciate it. I hope so. I think women can do a lot more in this space and there's so much that can be done. Um, I think, and, and there are some women who've done actually great work in this space too. I hope more will come along and do better stuff. So great. Well, thank you. If you've liked this episode of The V Word, please visit us at www.vwordpod.com and listen, rate, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at vwordpod. This podcast was written and produced by the V Word team, Dr. Jennifer Conti, Dr. Erica Cahill, and Bethany Bonilla. Thanks for listening.